here we are. What a great, great, great morning we're having here at uh, Bridge City Church in Murraysville, and I'm so excited. I believe God has something encouraging for you today. How many of y'all believe God has something encouraging for you today? Come on, how many of y'all believe that? I believe that, and uh, hey, we're kicking off a brand new series. It's no accident. We're going to be talking about kids and a generation today, and unless the Lord builds the house, the same verses that I was sharing with you, unless the Lord builds the house, those, those who build it will labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, come on, the watchman stays awake in vain. How many of y'all realize that God has a blueprint for your family? God has a blueprint. He has a way that we can build not only our children, but God has a way that we can build our lives based on the word of God. And God has a way that we can do this to please him. I don't know if this is a new revelation or not for you, but I want to tell you today, you can please Jesus with your life. So for some of us here, maybe that's the first time you've ever heard that. But I want to let you know you can please him. God, I believe, is, God is, is pleased and he loves us and wants the best for us. And he has a blueprint. He has a way that we can build our lives. Natalie and I, we are so blessed. Um, uh, we, we have five children. Uh, none of them are at home right now. Say glory, hallelujah. <laughs> And uh, all five adult kids, this is a picture of a wedding last year. We had two of our children get married, two married, and three not yet. And, um, and uh, what a blessing it is. I want to let you know that we had, at one time, we had five teenagers in our home. And uh, not only uh, did, did we live to talk about it, they lived to talk about it too. Come on. And uh, what a blessing it is, and what a blessing it is to, to, to be parents through every stage. And I, and I believe that, you know, once your parents, people have asked me yesterday, we did a great parenting uh, conference, and they were saying, they said, they said, well, when your kids get older, I, I guess it, it gets more freeing. You can do whatever you want. I says, that's true, but you never stop worrying. Come on, is anybody parents out there of adult children? Come on, see, you're just, your worries just get more expensive. Can I just say that right now? Am, am I right? Come on, your worries just get more expensive. That's, that's all. But, you're not, but we don't have to worry as ones in fear. We have a confidence in God because there's a blueprint we, 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 can, we can live by. Now, I remember there's some fearful days as a parent. I don't know about you, but I remember the first day, 31 years ago, was the first day we brought our oldest home. And I remember getting her from the hospital, Forbes Hospital, right in Minerva, and we put her in a car seat. And I remember like, 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 oh, Jesus, help us. Does anybody remember that day? Did you think like this child does not come with directions? Come on. Now, I'm just thankful that, that we, our kids grew up in a day and age where you didn't need a YouTube video on how to put a car seat in a car. Now, for those of you that are younger and you can understand how they do car seats now, if anybody's over 50, please just help them in Jesus' name. Just recently, we were getting car seats in a car watching our niece and nephew, and it was like, I need a tutorial on how to do this. Is anybody with me? Okay, I just remember when it was a simple process. But there's the car seat, but nothing prepares you as a parent for the most terrifying time of your life when they get behind the driver's seat. Now, I don't care where you are with Jesus, when your child, for the first time, gets behind the driver's seat and you're in the passenger seat, you get close to Jesus. Come on, somebody. 
You do. You get close to Jesus. Parents, I'm telling you, when that happens, you're gonna, you're, you and Jesus, you're going to be tight. Okay, because there's nothing more terrifying than that. So we're going we're gonna to be talking over the next couple of weeks from the, dry, from, the, from the car seat to the driver's seat. Now, there's one other seat, right, that, that happens that's not terrifying. It's a day of rejoicing. And that's the day that that child learns to use the toilet seat. And when that happens, I'm just telling you, you're rejoicing. And every dad out there knows how much diapers cost and how much more they have in their budget at that moment. Come on. And so those are the seats that, listen, all through life that we're going to talk about here. We want to help you today. Look at God's blueprint. Why is this important? Let me tell you, we do not live, we do not live in a post-Christian society. We live in an anti-Christian society. I don't know if you know this. We don't just live in an, an amoral culture right now. We live almost in an anti-moral culture right now. And families need help. And what's at stake in what we're communicating and why we did what we did today up front and why we're going to take a couple weeks and communicate so passionately is this, is that what's at stake if we don't get this right is the church of 2050. That's right. Some of these, some of these kids up here, some of the kids that are in back right now getting ministered to, they're going to be the ones that are leading the church in 10 and 20 and 30 years from now. And we got to get this right because it's not just peace in our home that's at stake. It's the future of Jesus Christ's church. It's the future of, of the word of God being esteemed and honored. It's the future of what we truly do believe about Jesus Christ and who he is. That's what's at stake. And there's this tension that we feel. There's a tension that we all feel right now, whether you have children or not. There's the ideal that everybody gets married, everybody gets older with an ideal of what their life would be like with God or maybe just in, in the future. But then there's the ideal and then there's the real. Am I speaking to your heart today? There's the ideal and there's the real. And there's a tension between the two that we need to manage so how do we manage that tension? How do we manage between the ideal of what God wants and the real? That's what parenting, that's what having a family is all about in today's day and age. We have to manage that tension. Well, we're going to go to a book in the Bible. It's the fifth book in the Bible, Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. And there's some great, great instructions here. Again, not only just for children and parenting, but there's instructions for all of us here. And here's just a brief look. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Bible. It's, the, it's what Deuteronomy, the second reading of the law. In the section that we're going to read in Deuteronomy 6, it's a call to wholehearted commitment. That's what it is. It's a call. Are we going to be wholeheartedly committed? Unlike a lot of the books in the Bible that span sometimes tens and decades, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, this book actually spans two months. It's, it spans just two months. Very, very different from most of the like, Old Testament books. It's quoted 120 times in the New Testament. It's about generational transfer. It's about an urgency. But I want to let you know this. The whole book of the Bible is not a book about rules and regulations. It's a book about relationship. 
It's a book about covenant relationship. When we live our lives in a covenant relationship before God, we do our part, God does his part, and we're blessed in the end. To me, that sounds like a pretty good deal. How about you? So, it, so I'm saying all this so we understand what's happening here. Now, now I want to say, I hear parents say this an awful lot. What do you, when I say, what do you want for your children? They all say, I just want my kids to have it better off than I did. I want to let you know that, and first of all, when I hear people say that, I'd like to ask, what was so bad in your childhood that that's your only goal? Don't you think that we could shoot a little higher than just let, having them have it better off than we did? How about that they love Jesus Christ and they live for him all the days of their life? How about that? That's what we heard. Did you hear what all the parents prayed? Did you hear the cry of their heart? It was so much more than just simply those things here. That's what's so important. So God's people were about to go into what we call the promised land. And so they're going into the promised land. Why was it called the promised land? Because it had promises of God on that land. God made a promise to them. And so there was great promises on their life. And so here they're, they're about to go in, but this land that they're going in was significantly different than God's ways. They had different standards, different convictions, different passions, different everything here. That's what's at stake here. Now, before we, get, before we start here, I want to make this really clear. Again, why is, why is this so important? Is that we live in an individualized, institutionalized, I have my rights society. Rather than what's best for us in a home-oriented, responsibility society. See, we've gone from I have a responsibility in, in culture to I have my rights culture. And what we, need to, what we need, I believe, to go back to, if we look at the Word of God, we have a responsibility to live our lives before God in such a way that's an example before Him, to live for Him. All of us do. Now, so one generation, literally, they were waiting to die off so the next generation could go into the promises. I want to tell you, I'm not waiting to die off and so the next generation can go in. Listen, I'm going to live passionately for God all the days of my life. How about you? See, I'm going to live for God all the days of my life. I, well, we're not just going to wait for the next generation to get it. We're actively pursuing God. Now listen, I want to tell you, we live in a culture that's consumed with who's your ancestors. Ancestry.com. People pay a lot of money trying to find out something about their ancestors. Listen, I can't change where you came from, but listen, we can change the, our descendants. We can change the future of Jesus' church. See, I can't change all that, and so many of us are consumed with our past. I can't go back there for you, but we can change what happens after us. We can change what happens with us right now. That's what Deuteronomy is about. That's what this, unless the Lord builds the house, is all about. That's the passion that we have. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, here we go. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. you 
you must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Now remember I said, it, it, it's not about rules and regulation. It's about, it's about relationship. Now, in, in Deuteronomy 5, Moses rereads the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. They, like Israel started off with Ten Commandments. In Jewish culture, they turned that into 613 commands that you must obey regularly. Jesus oversimplifies. Now, Jesus was a great teacher. Amen? Amen. And he oversimplified, and he took those, 600, those 10 that turned into 613, and he turned them into two. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your might, your strength, your heart, and you shall love others as yourself. Come on. Amen. See, that's a relationship. So, so listen, when I'm communicating to parents, and I'm communicating to you about the next generation, and how many of you realize that the generation after you or before you is much different than you? Do you are you alive? Come on. Okay, so they, they live different, but I'm not talking about creating more rules. Now, there are rules. When I, I grew up in, 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 in a house that every morning in the summer that I got up, my dad left for work earlier than, than I got up. And uh, in every, every morning, there would be a, there'd be a piece of paper on the, on the dining room table. And it had at the top, TTD, things to do. And then there would be anywhere from one to maybe five things that I needed to do that day before I could go do whatever I wanted to do. And I knew that if I, if I did what was on that list, when my dad got home at 4.55 every day, I knew there was a blessing. But if I didn't do that list, I knew that I was going to be not so blessed. See, God's word is the same. There are things that we obey. There's things that we do. And when we do them, there's a blessing. And when we don't do them, there's, it's not so blessed. So there's things that we live by. So I want to ask, ask you a question. What are the values of your home? Now, some of you are sitting here thinking, I don't have kids or my kids are grown. I didn't ask you if you have children. I said, what are the values of your home? Some of you say, well, I live by myself. Well, even if you live by yourself, how about a few values? Well, I'm being honest. And this is what every, I'm asking everybody in the room to do this week, is write down three to five values that you're going to live by in your home. Don't list 10. Please don't list 613. Just live three to five. Is it going to be honor? Is it going to be honesty? Is it going to be a work ethic? I'm just, I, respect. I heard a few this week. Honor God and honor people. I, just, we're, going to, we're going to value these things. Integrity. What are you, you going to value in your home? Because if you don't go back and revisit that, there's a good chance that those values will just dissipate and you don't even know it. Are we still living according to the values that we started with? I, I shared with the people yesterday in our parenting conference, I, I carry around our, um, our mission statement all the time. That we, Natalie and I wrote before we were married. We actually wrote it about 33 years ago. I still carry it around with me, the original one. I still carry it all the time. I read it. I pray it. All the time I'm looking at, are we still on mission? Are we still accomplishing? Are we still living to the values that we started with? Because listen, I'm going to finish strong. 
I'm going to finish strong, and I want you to finish strong. I want, I want all of us here to live lives that are pleasing to God in, 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 in an honoring way. Why? Because I believe Moses is telling them here in Deuteronomy, don't get so wrapped up when you get to the promises of God. Don't get wrapped up in your new house, the new school, all the kids' activities. Don't get so wrapped up in the culture that you forget what you really stand for. That's what he's saying here. So parents today, let's not get so wrapped up in all the new, the fancy, all, this, all the extras and forget about what matters most. What are we going to stand for? What are our values? That is so important. We're going to order our lives around values. We all do. And what I'm asking all of us to do is go revisit, go back. Let's look at this here. Let me ask you a question. Who is going to dictate your calendar? Now, we live in a culture in a day and age that, trust me, we raised five kids in a variety of activities and sports. If you, if you as parents, if you as an adult don't dictate your calendar, there's a lot of people that would like to dictate to you what you do all the time. No, they will. Your, your boss will dictate to you your calendar. Come on. Soccer will. All these activities. Baseball. Now, I'm not saying any of these are evil. But I'm just saying, we, we live in a day and age where one of the things I see is I see parents being ruled by, by, by other extra things. I remember coaching baseball. And I just, I just made it really clear. I said, we don't play baseball before. before we show up at the field at one. If you want to play at two, that's great. They said, you're the coach. You have to be there at 11. I said, I don't think you heard me. I literally had people argue with me. They, and I was the coach. I said, this team, we don't do that. I said, so if you want to play late, we'll play late. But we're not going to play early. I was not popular. But I wasn't in it for a popularity contest. I wasn't running for office. I was in it to train up my children how to fear and know God and honor him. Now, there was a few times special events happened, special things happened. Hey, it was a one-time chance. We talked about it. It was okay. But on a regular, regular time, we didn't let other people dictate to us our calendar. We're going we're gonna to tell our calendar where, where our time's going to go. What is allowed to be shown in your house on TV? No, they're, they're, listen, you say, well, I live by myself. You better have a rule because there's nobody there to govern you. No, really, you've got to decide in this house, this is what we will watch. This is what we don't watch. When, when this comes on, this is the standard of our house. When, 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 when we, we don't do that, well, I'm going to go to so-and-so's house. They do it there. I'm saying, you're not going to so-and-so's house. No, this is the standard of our, our house. Now, some of you are saying, you are old-fashioned. How many of you are thank, thanking God? Pastor Rick's a little old-fashioned right now. Come on. I'm just the old people. Come on. Younger people, where are you at? Come on. Come on. I'm trying to help you. Come on. Did you, did you raise thank you? Very good. Leave it to our youth leaders to, to cheer me on. Come on, somebody. Come on. Bless them, Lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Y'all better. <laughs> No, come on. See, these are the things here. Okay, parents, parents, everybody here. How about everybody in the church? How about we decide what we want our children to live, and then we just become that person? Amen. Come on. Grandparents, 
Grandparents out there, uncles, aunts, cousins, people that you don't have kids, but there's kids around you. How about you live what you want them, what you want them to be? So if you want them to be honest, how about you be honest? Good? If you want them to worship passionately, don't say, pay attention to the people on the stage. Say, watch me. How about we be the same people at home as we are at church or at work? That was one of the goals. Listen, I want to be the same person. Everywhere I am, I want to be the same person. Listen, just as easily as I can irritate you, I can irritate anybody I'm with anywhere. Come on. I'm the same person. Hopefully for good. I'm trying to provoke you to love and good works. Amen? Amen. See, see, decide what you want and live that. Listen, that's what it is. Do you see me treating your mom that way? Then we don't treat her that way. Do you see me treating authority this way? We don't live that way. And, and some of you are sitting here saying, those kids aren't watching me. Oh, they're watching. Oh, they're watching. Don't tell me they don't. Listen, they do. We had kids. We would talk to them about dressing a certain way, being a certain way. They'd say, well, so-and-so at church is doing this. I said, well, we're going to deal with that. <laughs> I always thought that, but I never really said it. I said, listen, this is our standard. We have, a, we have a standard. The community has a standard. And we believe that the best way to raise children with principles is in a community, a church community that shares values. And we, when we share the same values, we can pull in the same direction. But that does not mean that everything will be perfect. That does not mean. That means, we, that means there's going to be a challenge, but we're going to all together rise to that challenge. Okay, number two. Let's look at verse two. We got to have a plan to pass it on. And you and, and you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all of his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Enjoy a long life. That means it's going to go well with you. How many of you would like, it, like, like, like life to go well for you? I, 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 will, I do. I mean, I've, I've had life go well, and I had life go not so well. I'd rather have it go well. But that doesn't mean perfect. And, so, and, and some of the parents out there, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, listen, you know what I'm talking about. You say, there's no formula to raise kids. It's not a science. It's an art. And sometimes those art projects need a little help. Come on. It's an art. It's not perfect. It's not like you could just do these simple little things, and it just all turns out perfect. Now, our goal as a church, listen to me, is that we will not lose one child to the world. Now, people have told me, like, like, well, are you doing it? No, there's a few kids that have grown up at this church that have gone wayward. They just haven't come back yet. No, no, are you with me? I'm believing. We pray regularly for kids that when they grow up here and if they go a little bit off track, that's just a temporary hiccup. Because every child is going to go through a time where they, they test their faith. You did it. Right? Don't look at me all holy. I know some of you did. But when, but when we, we go through that hiccup, we study it, we plan it, we say, wait a minute, what do I believe? And we come out of it on the other side, stronger in our faith. Are you with me? 
See, this is what we got to do. We got to wrestle with that. But there was a plan. And so what this is telling us is, is we need generations in our lives. We need generations. We need to be a multi-generational church. We're not a multicultural church. We're a multi-ethnic church, but we have one culture, the culture of the kingdom of God. That, my friends, is our culture. And so we pass this on from generation to generation. And that's why we're here today, to learn how to do that. So what do you want your kids to, to, to stand for? A work ethic, passionate, loving Jesus, honesty, integrity. If we want that, we have to have a plan to pass that on. It doesn't just happen. When we were meeting together, everybody who serves and what we call the A-team here at the church, everybody who serves, they were all encouraged today and says, okay, we're going to, in a non-creepy way, learn a child's name today that we don't know. That means when we see children with another parent, with a parent, say, okay, well, what's their name? See, we need to, we need to value children. Our, one, our, our oldest member in the church um, Chuck's not here today. He's in his 90s. He had a significant impact on our children every day, every Sunday we came to church. He knew all their names. He knew what they were going through in their life. He greeted them. He would ask them about what's going on in their life. And Chuck didn't need to do that, but he did it. And he had an impact on them. Do you want to have an impact? Just learn a name. Look in their eyes. Treat them with respect. They're not, they're not the future of the church. They're the now of the church. They're just going to be in charge in the future. And they're going to be making, they're going to be making decisions about church in the future, so you better be nice to them. Okay? I'm just trying to help you. So this is what we're talking about here. Now listen, we can't be afraid of our kids. Too many parents are living so afraid their kids are going to reject them. Let me give you, parents out there, let me, let me empower you. You are the parent. You are the parent. My job, our, our kids, now, now they're older. They're in their, their mid-20s, hitting 30. We, we can be friendly now. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm, st I'm still dad. They, they don't come to me and say, hey, Rick, what's happening? No, it's still called dad. It's still called mom. There's respect with that. Are you with me? It's, you know, so too many parents are living in, they're, fear, they're, they're afraid their kids are going to re reject him. And they're also afraid their kids are going to miss out on something. I see so many families with parents living with the fear that their kids are going to miss out something more than the kids are. We, no, what really matters See, we have to have a plan, and, and we have to be willing to pay for what matters here. Successful parents don't fear that. They don't fear what their kids are going to miss out of. They're not trying to be their kids' friends. Is this helping you today? The fear of God. Let me, it says the fear of God. The fear of God. We got to love what God loves, hates what he hates, and realize we're going to stand before God. This is what the fear of God is. Now, I learned the fear of God by my father. My dad was a big man. He was a steel worker, and he was a bricklayer, so his hands were big. My dad had huge hands. It's like when he, when, he, when he came for me, it was like, 
I'm serious. It was like a Godzilla film. It was like, but his hands were rough. And, 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 and I learned to fear God from him. Matter of fact, my dad, had, my, da, my dad had so much fear of God on him. My friends had the fear of God when they were around my dad. My friends would say, I don't want to go to your house. Is your dad there? No, my dad was gentle. He played ball with us. He played in the yard with us all the time. Baseball, softball, football. He was always fully engaged. He was always loving. He was always caring. But I'm so thankful. I learned how to obey, and I learned the love of God too. Again, I can't change your ancestry, but I can change, help you change your descendants. I can't change how you were raised, but we can change how you can affect a young person by the fear of God. I'm thankful. My dad was loving. He was caring. You just had to get through the, the, like that one exterior to get to it. And he was a part of the church for years. He's in heaven now. Okay, I'm convinced when my dad, I told him, Dad, when you get to heaven, you're going to be, you're, he was a bricklayer. He could drive by homes and tell you what was going on with homes. I said, you're going to be up in heaven talking about the mansion. <laughs> Who bricked this? I mean, that's what he's going to be doing. He's like, I always tell him, you're going to be up in heaven. Who put this, these, the streets of gold here? I want to know. It's not quite level. I mean, I was like, I knew he was going to be. I kept telling him, Dad, when you get to heaven, can you please not do that? Okay, please don't do that, Dad. I used to tell him that all the time. We'd be up late nights talking here. Listen, if we don't define what a good life is, the world will define it for us. I'm telling you. Church, we got to define what a life is. Life, life is not determined by length of years. It's determined by depth of dedication to God. Let's determine what life is. It's not about sex, power, positions, achievement. It's about what matters most. Is anybody with me today? Come on. But if we don't live this, if we don't have a plan here, Somebody else will define it for us. Why is this so important? Why am I so passionate about this? Is this? Is there's, I, I, I took this from a book called Biblical Parenting. And there's three generations typically mentioned. The first generation fears God, knows his commands, and they do it from inner, it's an inner serving. That's the first generation. Typically, the next generation somewhat knows God's and they conform by convenience. Unfortunately, the, by three generations, typically, if you look biblically, most of the times it only took two. But if you look at history and what God does with generations, typically by the third generation, it's all about preference and they leave God's commands completely. What's at stake if we don't get this church? What's at stake? It's not about kids liking us. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that we live for him in the promised land with the promises of God. And that's what God wants us to be a part of. We can break this cycle. We have generations involved in this church and we will continue to do that. But here it is, parents, you raise your children. Churches partner with you. Listen to me, we're here to support parents. We're here to support families. We, we do our best, try to not to be so busy that you can't be a family, but we're going to do everything we can to support parents and support grandparents and support families and help your home be lived for Jesus. Amen. And we're going to support you. Our youth leaders are not responsible to disciple a generation. Parents are responsible for that. They're just there to help. How many of you are excited that you came to church today? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Okay, let's look, at, let's look at verse three here. Verse three, real quick here. Okay, listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. 
then all will go well with you. Come on. And you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And many people say, what's, what's up with the milk and honey? I don't want milk and honey. I don't even like milk. Do they have almond milk? They have soy milk? I know how to speak generations. Come on. What that means is there's, if there's a provision there that you don't have to go in and earn. It's waiting for you. There's the promises of God for us. There's the promises of God for you that God has for you. And if we will go back to biblical principle and grab a hold of that and say, we're living for a greater purpose. I want to tell you what I believe, the promises of God. I want to tell you today's milk and honey for your life. It's people that can live with financial security that God will provide. It's people that know how to manage their money in a God-honoring way. It's people that, can, that we can break addiction and we can, we can, captives can be set free and brokenhearted can be healed. Come on, we can break the cycle of sin in generations. Come on, is that a promise you're believing for? These are the modern day promises. These are the promises we can hold to. These are the things that we grab a hold of and we say that we can do. And maybe you had an absentee father in your life. We can break that cycle in Jesus' name. See, these are the things we can break. These are the promises when we live according to God's way. Isn't it cool? Who doesn't want to be a part of it? Now, trust me, I didn't say it's easy. But it really is simple. You know, and I know I'm talking about this. I'm talking to you right now. And there's many people in the room. As maybe a parent or maybe in your life. You're feeling shame. And you're feeling like so condemned right now. And that's not my heart at all. My heart's to tell you you can do it. We can, we can have today as a new day. You can. Listen. Do you realize that in the first chapter, first couple chapters of the Bible, do you realize how the first marriage ended, like what happened? You know, Adam and Eve, there's a story about Adam and Eve. We're still paying for their sins today. If you get to, so the first couple chapters, there's about the first people that had all the promises of God and they screwed up. You get to chapter four, guess what happens with the first two kids one kills the other one. Not figuratively, literally. No, no. This is the Bible that we're reading. And if you look through the Bible, there's not a lot of stories about perfect families. I mean, the one that stands out is, 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 is Mary and Joseph. And how many of you know you, it only takes you a couple months to realize you're kidding Jesus? <laughs> you tracking me here. And, and so let me, tell, let me speak to your hearts here today. When we look at the Bible, when it comes to marriage, and when it comes to parenting, and when it comes to living in freedom, there's a lot of stories about people who messed up, screwed up, and were extremely jacked up. That's why we relate to it so well. And that's why it screams to us today, in 2022 March, how much we need Jesus. It screams to us that we don't just need 
a couple little principles to put on our Sunday morning, but we need something to live by. We need something for our families to stand on. We need something in our home that we can believe, whether we have kids or not. Are you with me today? This whole story screams till we need the grace and the love of Jesus. And if you this morning are here and you know that deep down inside you, there's a desperation for the love of Jesus, would you simply stand to your feet? No, I'm serious. This, is, this, isn't, all I'm, this isn't you to sign up for something. This is just saying, I realize that in today's day and age, I need the love of Jesus. I need the power of God. I, I'm desperate to see him. That's all you're saying, that we've all messed up and we screwed up, but we all desperately need Jesus. Am I in the right house today? See, that's what this story screams of, that we need, we need each other and we need the love of God. And so today, in the midst of a fearful society, in the midst of a fearful culture, in the midst of a crazy time, we are together are going to read the word of God out loud called the Shema. In Jewish, in Jewish tradition, there's, there's actually three different passages. All the passages are listed there. We're not going to read them all. We're just going to read one. And I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what Shame, fear, guilt. Uh, I don't know what you're going through. Maybe fear just of life. There, this life has a lot of fear. Are you with me now? But we're going to read the word of God because I believe the word of God has power. And I believe it can still all the craziness in our hearts. And next week, actually, we're going to keep going with this text. And I'm urging you, come back next week for everybody. Come back next week. You, you do not want to miss part two. It's going to be better than part one. I'm telling you. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter six. Can you all see those words okay? If you can't see them, like tap the person in front and say, get out of my way. <laughs> say, get out of my way in Jesus' name. Can you all see? Because we're, we're together. We're just going to simply read the word of God out loud today. And so together, let's read the first part. Of the Shema together. Here we go. Listen. Repeat. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Good, you should clap for Jesus. Don't, clap, don't be clapping for me, just clap for him. Maybe you could get out Deuteronomy 6. If you uh, can't find it, Google it. I'm being totally honest. Google it. Maybe you could read that out loud in your home this week. Maybe that would be a good assignment. Every day, just read that out loud. How many of y'all think that would be a... How many of y'all think if you do that, it surely wouldn't hurt? 
But you know what else I want you to do? Is I want you to write out your three to five values that you're going to live for. Write out those values. Revisit them. Revisit what you want your life to stand for. Because what's at stake is what will our church look like? 2030, 2040, 2050. Heavenly Father, I pray, Father, for every person that's gathered here today, Lord. God, that you would grant us the grace and ability, Lord God, to once again be desperate for you, Lord. Lord God, that we could once again be desperate for you. Once again, we would serve you and please you and know you, God. God, we thank you, Jesus for the privilege of serving you. We, we, we're standing today like just saying, God, we're desperate for you. And I don't know where you are with Jesus today, and um, I'm just gonna talk to you in your heart right now in this attitude of prayer. If you don't have a day, a moment, or a time when the love of Jesus Christ entered your life, I wanna invite you to make today that day. I want to invite you to say, today, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want those promises that are spoken of. And if you're here today, it's, it, it's this. It's, it's Jesus, would you forgive me of my past? And I want to live for you in the future because it's just such a better future than the one I got. But that starts with the realization that we're desperate for God and we need him. And in this moment, right now, in the stillness of this moment, we're in this moment of prayer. If you're here today and you want today to be your day, that you either welcome home to Jesus or your first time, you want to respond to Jesus. You just want to say, I want Jesus. I'm not going to have you come up front. I'm not going to have you say any words in the microphone or to me. This is this is. This is, this is between you and God. It's personal, but it's not private. And if that's you today and you want, you just want this newness of life, could you just be real simple and just, just, just slip up your hand? Just, just, real, just say, Jesus, that's me today. I got to come home. I got to come home. I got I to gotta start this relationship. Anybody here today? Anybody at all just saying, oh, you know what? I need the love of Jesus Christ in my life. I want to go back to him. I want to go back to those basics. Anybody at all? Anybody here saying, oh, God, I need you, Father. I want Jesus to be the forgiver of my past and the leader to my future. Anybody at all?